Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, craft beer and movie podcast right here in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. Sir, Hi again. I'm, I'm putting a little circle with both my hands up on my forehead, and I'm, I'm praying that one day you and I can make it safely back to Kumandra for this week's episode, because we're talking about the new Disney film, Raya and the Last Dragon, as well as drinking beers from Wild Barrel Brewing Company out of Southern California. Before we get into all that juicy, sour goodness, uh, Johnny, maybe you'd be so kind as to tell our listeners where they can find us on the interweb. Uh, interwebs, rate, review, and subscribe. Apple Podcast, Instagram, and Twitter. All at Fresh Hop Cinema. Letterboxed and untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can email us fhccast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema to help support. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's everywhere. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I'm, I think we're pretty good on announcements next week. Uh, we will be announcing, uh, our beer madness tournament for this year. We're covering some new England IPAs. If you are unfamiliar with beer madness and you weren't around for last year's tournament, we're doing a March madness style elimination tournament where we're going to decide, uh, based on popular vote here on the West coast, what is the greatest new England IPA under 8%. Um, so that's going to kick off, uh, next week or the following. I don't know off the top of my head, but it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to talk more about this in Hot and Bothered because putting together our long list finally on paper today, I was like, yes, we're gonna, I got really excited for it. So I can't wait. I, lo- I, I love that you're like, I'm going to announce this next week and then just immediately announced it. Yeah, it's just fun, you know? I'm so excited about it. But we're going to actually like, gonna uh, announce it now, man. It's our stuff. Well, we I, I guess we want. maybe I, should, I shouldn't say announce it. I, we're going to, it'll be up for, for looking at next week. So that's what so like, starts. Yeah, it'll be, I think, starting next week. Um, either, uh, no, it'll be, yeah, it'll be the official first uh, round of voting. So that'll be fun. So like next, like when next week's yeah, episode next Friday, drops, yeah. you'll be able to go vote. Yes, indeed, on, on the round oh one. Oh my God, that's so exciting. Last year was so much it fun. It was so much fun. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about it quite a bit in Hot and Bothered. So stick around to the end of the episode if you want to hear more about Beer Madness. But I think uh, we should start this show like we do every show. Um, maybe a little bit about this brewery, and then I'd love to dive into a beer. Let's do it. Wild Barrel Brewing Company. They're brand new to me. I just walked into Spike's Bottle Shop today, and they had a whole shelf full of their single cans, and they had some wild-looking crazy stuff. So figured I'd pick up a couple. Uh, they are out of San Marcos, California. I've never been there. It's, Max, San, you know it's where basically San Diego. Yeah, it's, it's kind of close to Oceanside. It's For anybody not from California or even not from Southern California, it's, it's San Diego. Okay, San Diego. Uh, they are first-timers on the show. We've never, ever, ever done them, mm-hmm. which is exciting. I love it. Uh, they're a brewery that brews primarily sours, hazy IPAs, and stouts. How do you, so you primarily brew everything. Got it. I mean, they don't do a lot of, like, lagering or um, uh, porters or anything like that. But, yeah, they do. They, I was looking at their website. Like, those three are definitely their wheelhouse. Okay. Uh, their beer, Vice Sans Fruit, actually took a gold medal at the Great American Beer Festival last year. Yeah, we are going to get to one of their sour beers, but first we are drinking, I think, a holiday thematically appropriate beer. It will be uh, St. Paddy's Day in a couple days, uh, or yeah, a couple days uh, when you hear this. So you picked out this can, Johnny, and I feel like you got to you gotta talk about the, the label design first. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like a, the whole thing is like the background is a St. Patrick's Day themed like ugly Christmas sweater. Mm-hmm. And there's a like a, a leprechaun on it with like sweet Ray-Bans. 
and like a sweet long beard. He looks like if if a leprechaun ever worked at the Winchester Goose. <laughs> he looks like a guy that works at a brewery, like almost yeah. any sort of brewery if it's like celebrating St. Patty's Day. Like this guy runs a barrel program. For sure he does. For sure. He says it like that too. For sure. Yeah, just I don't know if I said this right, but this is coming out on, on the 12th and St. Patty's Day is, of course, on the 17th. So you've got plenty of time to go down to Spikes if you'd like or anywhere you get a good beer and pick this beer up and then drink it on St. Patty's Day, depending on whether or not we like it. If it's gross, don't do that. But exactly. all that to say, have you tried it yet? I haven't yet. I've been reading and learning and absorbing this beautiful artwork. Yeah, fair. Well, th- uh, they had on their website, it's a hazy, juicy double IPA, dry hopped with Vic Secret, Cascade, Citra, and CTZ hops. It comes in at 7.8%. Uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to trying it too. I've poured it in my glass and it actually doesn't look quite as hazy as I thought. I was maybe just coming off of the, um, the treehouse beers that we've had recently, like been experiencing some really, really hazy beers. And this looks definitely hazy, but, but more on the, uh, um, you know, not quite as viscous looking side. Um, but mine looks yeah. great in the glass. Have you tried it now? Yeah, it's it's way more bitter than I expected with it being called a uh, hazy, juicy dipper. Yeah. Uh, I get way more more dry and biting hot presence than I was expecting, which is cool. Uh, it, it really immediately kind of dips its toe into the water of astringency for me, which is eh, like that's rough that it goes there that quickly. You mean uh, from a marketing perspective or from a, like a flavor even for you personally? <laughs> Yeah, just for me enjoying this, like it goes from like okay, that's kind of bitter to oh, that's oh, like, I got gotcha. uh, That's a little astringent. Okay, wow, it got went from like that's bitter to okay, that's a little yeah, little too bitter, like too fast. It bites, it bites for sure. I just had a drink too. Um, yeah, I got almost like a melony sweetness for a brief second, and then yeah, almost like we just dove off a cliff. It's like bam, um, almost to the point where I'm like, should this be classified as a New England IPA? I think maybe not. Yeah, well, just because it's hazy, I guess. I guess. Um, I don't make these rules as crazy kids do. Yeah, it, it's it's stranger to me that this has been dry hopped because it seems it just seems so aggressively bitter. Uh, I wonder if there's a non-dry hopped version. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I didn't see it there. Yeah, I didn't see it on their website. So who knows? They also had a pretty really? uh, pretty sparse website. It was it was like here's kind of a blurb about what we're about. Here's where you can buy our beers, and here's where you can order them online. So hmm. okay, yeah, and also like Spike said a. Bitchin' selection. There was like eight different singles. Yeah, I was saying earlier, like I'm excited to drink this uh, this pastry sour that we're doing next. And I don't know, I, for something, they were just advertising those three kind of styles. I wonder, uh, do you remember if they were mostly like hazy IPAs and sours and stouts? Or do you remember seeing something else and you just happened to grab these two styles? They were primarily sours and fruited sours. They yeah. had like a pina colada one. They had like a nectarine strawberry one. Yeah, okay. And I think there was like a couple other hazies. And I honestly, I don't remember even if there was any stouts. I think it was all just haze and like wonky pastry type sours and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, those are kind of cool. Like there's a place for them. I don't know if they like really satiate like a beer urge, but like they're a really fun like novelty type thing to try. Yeah, <laughs> that makes me think of that beer that uh, we had the other day, the the lolly the liquid lollipop from Froth, mm-hmm. uh, which I think novelty is probably the right word. It was like the thickest. Uh, you can find it on Instagram if you guys want to see it. Um, but it was like I think it was literally the thickest beer I've ever had. It was basically like a carbonated smoothie. Yeah, Wild. it poured like a like a smoothie, like it had just came out the blend, yeah, fresh like, out the blend. There were seeds in it. There were like there were like strawberry seeds in it or something. That's crazy. It's wild. Um, but yeah, all that to say, like, I'm I'm down for a novelty beer. Sure. Like, if you want to throw me a fun gimmick, I'll drink it. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, I had one recently at a barbecue, and it was, uh, I think it was called Ninja Turtle Blood. <laughs> okay. 
and it was just like a crazy like raspberry strawberry pastry sour mm-hmm. and i'm like since when are pastry sours a thing like really yeah i admit you but know, like yeah it makes sense because like tart sweet desserts are like a thing like, yes like a nice tart a nice cobbler like there's a lot of room in that sandbox to play with flavor and i think you know we've seen that proven with pastry stouts that like the dessert realm when it comes to beer is is something that can be really heavily innovated and accepted by the the beer drinking population at large so i guess it's like one of those weird natural evolutions to just pastry up some mm-hmm. some sours so uh, but that's enough about pastry sours. We're going to probably For talk now, way yeah. too much about them later. Let's get back to this beer, this hazy, juicy double IPA. Is it hazy, Max? Is it juicy? It, it looks hazy. doesn't taste incredibly juicy. Um, no, I mean, like this is a pretty hop for if it is, it's if it is going to, if we're going to stick with it being a hazy, juicy New England IPA, it's the hoppiest one that I've maybe ever had. Yeah, that's like really aggressive. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, if I would have blind tasted this, I'd be like, yeah, it's, it's West Coast IPA for sure. Um, and it's not subtle at 7.8% either. Like it's it's a pretty heavy, boozy feeling one too, um, mm-hmm. which sometimes in a good New England IPA, you kind of hide some higher alcohol. Um, and in a really good West Coast IPA, they almost feel like they're bragging about it when you taste it. And this definitely seems a little bit more braggadocious than uh, you would expect for the style. I yeah, think. yeah. Yeah, and it definitely comes across like way more aggressive. I mean, I like a more hop forward, like juicy hazy beer. I like that balance. It's well documented. And this one this one tips the scale and is just a little bit too aggressive the other way. I mean, it's all about balance of flavor. And this one I think is uh, is tipped too far in just the bitter and like not super enjoyable bitter flavor. Yeah, that's what I was going to get around to. Like, we're both clearly thrown from a marketing perspective and an expectation point of view. But um, yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out if I if I like it objectively or not. And I'm I definitely don't love it. I think it's probably okay. I think it's fine. Um, it it is really really bitter. Like, I, I just feel like if you if you've not heard this podcast today, like you might go into the store and expect to buy something really dare I say quenching or or smooth and juicy, and and this isn't that. And I feel like I can't separate that in my mind. Um, from yeah i can't separate expectation from um experience maybe you know all right well i'm gonna be like not tell you what it is i'm gonna be like hey max i just got this beer take a sip and try it just surprise and then now you do that with no objectivity or with all the objectivity. right i I just i I, but now that i know it I, i am really trying to do that um let me let me just take one more sip will you would you would you do me that honor of allowing me i'm gonna indulge please consume consume cleanse thy palate or at least coat it don't cleanse it you yeah coat it um okay there like there is some sweetness up front um it's hitting real back of the tongue for me and it goes away pretty quickly but if i'm making a case for the beer it's that they do have four different types of hops they're cl- clearly trying to feature them and like make that a hoppy characteristic shine i guess um but i do think it's just too overpowering there's some of the sweetness is there i i think it's okay you know so yeah, if I took a sip blind, you gave it to me. Yeah, this is it's good enough. All right. So this beer makes me make funny faces. It just oh. kind of makes me go eh, like eh. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 makes me need to like growl at it a little. Like, what are you doing to me? Like, you gonna bite me? I'll bite you back? Yeah. Um, yeah. Really subpar. Honestly, not a big fan. This beer is a four four for me. Four point four. Yeah, it's a five for me. I think it's right in the middle of the road. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's enough. You know. Yeah. I'll drink it. It is what it is. I'll drink it. 
It's a four four beer. Try their pastry stouts. They might be better. Or their pastry sours, because that's a thing. That too. That's what I meant. Um, okay. Because I'm sure they have pastry stouts too. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything more on this uh, for the time being? Uh, I do not. I don't know much else you can say about a four four beer. There's not much you need to say. I do want to know how, how, how much it cost you, us. How much it cost us. I don't look. Money's like a construct, man. Yeah, but like for me, a five, you can sway me into buying a five beer, a five out of ten, if it's a pretty good deal. I think this was this was like a twenty dollar four pack for the beers for the show, so they were all like five bucks a pop. Yeah, I think that's I think that's too high. Uh, If you can get like a nineteen two of Big Little Thing, yeah, yeah, well, for like three for like three bucks, yeah, but yeah, way better beer, yeah, way better value. Like there's. There's better values. Like just looking at like like that's a, such a cool trend. The nineteen point two ounce cans yeah. singles, like the st- the stove know, pipe singles. You know the first brewery that ever did that Ooh, was Oscar, Oscar Blues. Blues with ten fifty, right? Yeah, Boom. and then they actually released the whole lineup. They have like Old Chub, and then like Dale's oh that's Pale right. Ale, yeah, and I think Mama's Little Yellow Pills in a nineteen point two ounce, which is such an underrated beer. The, the Pilsner. Yeah, yeah. Oscar Blues did some pretty good stuff. I feel like they sort yeah, of. Man. I don't know. I burned out on them early because like Dale's Pale Ale was around. And I was like, oh, it's so cool. And then it, it was one of those things that you couldn't get. And then all of a sudden it was everywhere. Um, so yeah. I drank it for a long time. And then obviously 1050, you and I bought a case of that one time, the barrel aged. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great, but I, I feel like I just overlook it now because there's so many really good options that, uh, yeah, yeah. A, a nice nod to Oscar Blues every now and again is, I think, worthwhile. Especially like certain times of year. Like if I'm going to the river or I'm going fishing, like a six pack of Dale's Pale Ale in the cooler on a hot summer day. Mm-hmm. Ooh, wee. Yeah. Nice. Totally. Plus, they have the um, the there's a rotating hop series called Can Oblis, which is actually one of them is going to be featured on our March Madness poll this year. Uh, it's the Hazy, the Can Oblis. Yeah, Hazy. They've done a bunch of different ones. There's a Tropical. I can't remember what. Oh, the Tropical. We, three we of did them. the Tropical one on the show. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the Tropical's so good. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of the the Hazy Can Oblis too. So I'll be voting for that one depending on what it's up against. We got to see if it, our, yeah, because, I mean, again, I'm going to talk about this a lot today, I guess, but um, we have, I think, probably, I think it's like 51 beers right now in the long list, and we need to cut that down to 32, um, and we have a whole waiting system that we're going to use. So it's possible that Cannibalist doesn't make the cut, but I can't remember right now, but I, I think it might be there. It might be close. Good enough. We'll find out. Um, okay, but I think uh, enough for now on Wild Barrel. Again, that was uh, St. Patty's on the Juice. It was a 4.4 for Johnny, a 5 for me. I'm going to play a trailer for a little documentary called Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. Good morning. This is my parents' bed, and I sleep in here because I'm scared of monsters. Today's the day to celebrate. We made this album in a bedroom at our house that we grew up in, so it's really like anything is possible. I honestly don't know how any artist of any age is doing it without a parent. Is that million? Yeah. Oh my God. Step on the glass, staple your tongue. Bury a friend. I wanna end me. Bad. Again. End me. Nope. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna end me. Boom. I wanna end me. Sounds pretty horrible. I think it sounds kind of awesome. It's pretty bad. It is a horrible time to be a teenager. Kids are depressed. 
I look into the crowd and I see every single person in there is going through something. And I have the same problem. I was like, why don't I turn this into art instead of just living with it? Hey, you guys need to be okay, because y'all are the reason I'm okay, okay? You have to have faith, you have to do your best, live your best life, because what else? I could lie, say I like it like that, like it like that. So that was a trailer for The World's a Little Blurry, some Billie Eilish action. Uh, this is a documentary that has been on my radar for a while. They started, like, I get started getting ads for it. Oh, I don't know, probably January. It dropped February 26th, I believe. And it is two and a half hours long. Really long documentary. I wasn't didn't realize that when I started it. But I tell you what, I was here for every minute of the two and a half hours. I will give you a brief synopsis. Uh, you can guess. But uh, taking a deeply personal look at the extraordinary teenager, Billie Eilish, and following her journey on the road, on stage, and at home with her family as the writing and recording of her debut album changes her life. This was released, like I said, February 26th this year, directed by R.J. Cutler, distributed by Neon, and it was produced by R.J. Cutler, Chelsea Dodson, Anthony Saylor, Trevor Smith, and Michael Ann. Never heard of any of them. Michelle Ann. <laughs> Is it? I think so. I'm bad at reading. It's fine. It could be I a French person, and it might be Michael English. I don't think Michelle's going to listen. Damn it. <laughs> if right. you're listening, Michelle, tweet us. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, it was a, a very deep dive. I, I went into this already being a fan. Uh, I've kind of been of a fan of her since the first time I heard the first single off of her, the album, that it kind of chronicles her recording. Was it Bad so Guy? essentially... What's that? Was Bad Guy kind of her first big one? Uh, one of them. The first single was actually, um, oh God, what was it called? I think it is it When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? That's the, like, the that's, hook. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's what it's called. Um, it, we, just, we have computers in front of us. I can look that up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, but yeah, since that moment, I was just like, because it was actually directed by one of the guys, I believe he did like The Conjuring. And it had yeah. this like, crazy, like, horror, like, n- like crazy vibe. And I was just so intrigued because it was this, like, really raw, abrasive, like, pop music that talked about, like, wanting to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is a strange little little package tied up with, like, a bleeding bow. Like, what is happening here? Uh, it was definitely my speed from the beginning. Uh, so I went into this being a fan. But the documentary looked at... She had a, a mediocre amount, medium, let's say, amount of fame going into this. She was actually touring around for one album that was not very successful. Like she wasn't signed to a major label. Uh, she had some like SoundCloud presence, but this film chronicles essentially her like recording the whole album. That spoiler alert, she won like six Grammys for. Yeah, and her brother won Producer of the Year for. Uh, and it has like actual footage of them tracking the like the the actual tracks on this record like in her brother's bedroom in their house it's just so wild seeing how the album came to fruition because it was definite like he uses the same recording software that we're using right now Mm -hmm. just on a mac Mm -hmm. at home like um and then they won six grammys it was just it was such a wild thing to see that from like a to b 
or an A to Z even, maybe, I don't know, about how it changed her life and about how everything just went from zero to 100 in, like, the space of three years. Yeah. And, like, she won all those Grammys at, like, 17, 18. It was just just wild. Uh, a really fascinating look at her personal life. Very, very personal, very intimate. Uh, and I feel like this kind of sets the precedent for music documentaries going forward and that this was fully in the age of the smartphone and the superstar. Like, mm-hmm. there's not many superstars left, and they're all going to be recorded all the time going forward. So this was like the really the first well-produced, polished documentary using a ton of smartphone footage like a ton of just super behind the scenes like we live in the world where everyone's life is documented all the time if you endorse or are on social media and obviously if you're a celebrity you kind of have to Uh, so it definitely upped the quality of the behind the scenes feel like it really felt like you were just following her along on this story and uh, I really enjoyed this man it had an intermission which I thought was really cool at like the halfway point yeah they're like big Big intermission came up on the screen and gave you a chance to pause it. I was like, that's kind of neat. That's a weird move. That's a weird move in a documentary. Right? It was. I was like, what are we doing Like, they built one into Hamilton when they put that on Disney+. And that kind of makes sense because it is like a Broadway production. Or or it was a live action thing. So, like, they probably did have 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 an intermission. But putting one in a documentary seems weird to me. But I guess that makes sense because Billie Eilish is on paper pretty weird. Um, I I have two notes that I wanted to mention. One on you mentioned we record on logic that's what that's what they recorded on as well and when i updated my computer i think i told you this the, one of the reasons i did it is because phineas the producer her brother basically released the project file for ocean eyes another one of her songs and oh, yeah. made it basically like a demo project in logic so you could if anyone owns logic they can go into like the demo files like start up a new project click the demo pull up the entire session the way that it was exported and you can see how they put that song together, which is such a baller what? move. That's crazy. They just open sourced it. I didn't tell you this. No. Oh yeah. It's wild. Like you can break down it. He does this really cool thing. And there's a great episode, a uh, podcast plug here of song exploder where they break down, um, shoot one of her songs, but talks about a lot of his sort of production techniques. Um, it's really, really cool to get an inside look into the way that they use pretty accessible programs like the one, like you said, we're using, um, and do really neat things. It is like a whole bunch of cool sampling stuff. And like, I mean, I, I, yeah, I love the way that, uh, he puts together music and, and also the way she writes music. Um, and then circling back to her being weird or whatever, like it is unconventional music. And I think it's so cool that in this weird internet age of like super polished stuff and like there's filters on everything and you can beautify yourself with the click of a button. Billie Eilish and Phineas are like, here's this really raw take on a song. And a lot of their music uh, reflects that feeling. And it sounds like this documentary does too, which I think is such a, just like a, just a beautiful approach to making Mm. something that captures the vibe of what they create in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And so much of her rise to success was fighting back against people wanting her to write different music. Yeah. And like, I'm not happy all the time. Like, why am I going to sing about being happy all the time? That's fucking stupid. Like, and, you know, with a, a, a one of the most highly communicative 16-year-old people I've ever even seen, mm-hmm. like, you should watch this documentary. Anyone should, not just you, but sure. you, you, the listener, the should watch you. this documentary. Yeah. The collective you uh, should watch this just to see the interaction she has with her family. Like, they're so open, and the level of communication is so high and healthy. It was, like, really cool to see. And, like, you know, I didn't get one, like, icky vibe from her parents. Like, they were always super encouraging, but, like, not 
using her for money. That's the best. Which is what you're always kind of afraid of when these like young stars just rise to superstardom. Like are their parents just like show ponying them? And it seems like this whole thing is just her following through on her vision and just like making art. And uh, if you don't go into it a Billie Eilish fan, um, I feel like it'd be very hard to not walk away from it really like endorsing her. So... I think it's highly worth a watch. If you have Apple TV Plus, it's exclusively streaming, but I feel like it won't be long and it will be available on other platforms. Cool. Yeah, again, it's Billie Eilish, colon, the world's a little blurry. I'm definitely going to check it out. If you do get a chance to watch it, please let us know what you think. Uh, email uh, FHCCast at gmail.com or any of the stuff we said at the top of the episode. Johnny Summers, do you want to talk about the latest Disney uh, machine-made movie? Well, Hakuna Makata, you bet I do. <laughs> right. Here's a trailer for Raya and the Last Dragon. We're not going to spoil it without giving you plenty of heads up. So stick around and we'll be right back to talk about it. Let's catch you up. My name is Raya. Our lands have been at war for as long as we can remember. Our people never see eye to eye. My daughter, I believe our people can come together again, but someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find the last dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of butt kickery. Let's go. We'll have to watch our backs. We're not the only ones looking. Six years of searching. Please let this be it. Almighty Sisu! Who said that? We really need your help. Ah, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm not like the best dragon. Have you ever done like a group project, but there's like that one kid who didn't pitch in as much, but still ended up with the same grade? Uh, we're doomed. You and the dragon are coming with me. Hmm, my sword here says we're not. broken you can't trust anyone maybe it's broken because you don't trust anyone you just have to take the first step during an intense battle for control of the world the people of kumandra fought side by side with dragons to fend off the drune vaporous glowing goo monsters that turn people to stone even with their powers combined, our protagonists were no match for the Droon, and in a last-ditch effort to save the people, the few remaining dragons consolidated their powers into a magical orb that would wipe out the Droon for good. They gave their lives in the process and were turned to stone. Now, some 500 years later, the land and the people of Kumandra have split into warring factions. The leader of the Heart Tribe and protector of the magical dragon orb, Chief Benja, believes that unity can again be achieved, but during a failed diplomacy attempt, the orb is shattered and its pieces taken by the leaders of the tribes to the farthest reaches of the land. Now it's up to the Princess Raya to collect the shards and restore order to all of Kumandra. That's kind of, that's close, right? I feel like that's not giving too much away, but also kind of gives a vibe for what the movie's about. Yeah, totally. Um, Johnny, this was on both of our lists. Um, We've been uh, kind of doing this weird balancing act where we're sort of closing the book on 2020 and opening it to a new chapter of 2021. And um, we were picking movies this week and this was one that was available. We rented it for 30 bucks on Disney plus it's got that premiere access sort of thing. It came out March 5th. Um, Would you tell me who directed it and who uh, voices the characters, please? Yeah, it was directed by Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada. It has a very eclectic and awesome cast of Asian 
uh, voice actors, we'll say, because I mean they're sure. actors, but yeah. they're using their voices in this. So we had Kelly Marie Tran playing Raya. Raya. We just decided on Raya. Good God, get it together. Uh, Aquafina as Sisu, which I loved. Mm-hmm. She was an amazing mm-hmm. choice. We had Isaac Wang as Boone. Yeah, Captain Gemma Boone. Chan. Yeah, Gemma Chan as Namari. We had Daniel Day Kim as Raya's dad, mm-hmm. Chief Benja. We had Benedict Wong as Tong. <laughs> And we had Alan Tudyk as Tuk Tuk. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I need to put Alan Tudyk in there. Tuk Tuk is uh, is Raya's sort of cute animal companion that we knew we were going to have in this movie, and he's yeah. doing perhaps the most nuanced performance since Vin Diesel playing Groot. Because the dudes, if you don't know who Alan Tudyk is, he's uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, what comes to mind for me is like Steve Firefly. the Pirate in uh, in Dodgeball or um, mm. the sidekick of Heath Ledger in A Knight's Tale. What did you say? Oh, a firefly. Okay, sure. He's that guy. Um, like yeah. he's a very recognizable face, like Vin Diesel. Um, but he's cast in this movie just to just to say grunts and like sounds. So I thought it was funny. That's, I thought it was worth mentioning him. Yeah, that's hilarious. Anyone in the cast probably could have been that character. Yeah, hundred percent. Like they could have just hired an intern, or I don't even think hired an intern to go in the same sentence. They could have pulled an intern into the room and be like, make sounds. Great. Yeah. Get out of here. Um, like I said, yeah, it came to Disney plus on March 5th. It runs an hour and 47 minutes, which feels a little bit long to me. I thought it was going to be a bit shorter. Um, been a tight 90. Yeah. Um, anyways, we can get into this in a minute, but I was, as usual, sir, want to know your sort of initial thoughts and, uh, if you had any expectations going in. Well, okay. Ryan, the last dragon. It was a fun time. I really enjoyed it. Once I leaned into the fact that there was not going to be. A lot of nuance. There was no thinly veiled anything in this movie. Uh, It was splayed before you immediately for what it is, the whole point, and the whole idea of Kumandra and this utopia. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's Chekhov's Kumandra. You you know that everything's (laughs) going to come to peace at some point. Uh, I just, yeah, we just started saying Hakuna Kumandra. Kumandra. Yeah, sure. That's great. Like, we just have to introduce catchphrase here. Uh, So, you know, this then becomes about not where it's going, but how it gets there. And I feel like it got there in kind of a fun and actually a little bit different way. It was it fell into some some similar molds of your your character quest, like RPG for children type vibe where you're collecting, you know, very Willow esque. Second time Willow's come up in my life in the last two days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but very Willow-esque, very like high fantasy, gather a, a squad, very Lord yeah. of the Rings, obviously, Well, where you're you're compiling a fellowship to achieve a goal that it che- included a gem. So, I mean, okay, all right, that's fair. Okay. It definitely checked some boxes as far as like the buddy squad goal-based film. Uh, I thought it had a lot of nuance in that the stakes were pretty high. Yeah. Um, whereas like people were just turning to stone like crazy. Like it was uh, a little bit shocking the first time someone turned to stone because I was not quite expecting the stakes to be the sign of Disney movie. Like no one was getting dismembered in Moana. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, oh, now you keep talking. I got so many notes. We got to talk about this. Keep going. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I really liked, you know, it had cute sidekicks. It had fun fight scenes. I loved the animation. I thought it was really pretty to look at. Really cool creatures in it. Uh, and some, we won't say too much other than there was some really cool dragon magic in it. 
Yeah. Uh, because it's called The Last Dragon. Do you mean you conceptually? Conceptually, the magic was cool or, or the way that they, the animation, the way they kind of executed it? Um, conceptually, because I think the actual things that they were doing weren't necessarily unique or original, but I think one in particular that involved like walking on rain that was, was really neat. Yeah. That's the one that stuck out to me. But by and large, it wasn't anything that hadn't been done. There was just some fun execution, uh, visually well executed too. It, it allowed itself to fall into a really pretty color palette and just really brightened up the whole feel of the movie. I thought that was really nice. So, I mean, overall, it's a fun time. Like I said, nothing thinly veiled though. This this movie really shows its target audience within the first 10 or 15 minutes. And it's people that are, you know, I would say between six and 13, that'd be my guess. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's very specific. Like it has that feel. Like it's being spoon fed. Yes. It's very, very follow these breadcrumbs. Here's the story. Here's what's happening. And- you know, you have to acknowledge this is a film for children before we judge it against film in general. Like, this is not made for us. I and, guess, yeah. You know, and but the problem is that Disney has set the bar so high for making movies that are entertaining for children that are also entertaining for yes. adults yeah. that to have one that's strictly marketed and for children feels disappointing because we've gotten... Moana. We've gotten all these. Just, that's the one that comes to mind. Like, even to. Shark Tale. Yeah, Shark Tale had tons of adult humor and like, was that Pixar? I don't know. No, it's not Pixar. It would have come up in our in our top five on Patreon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Disney set the bar pretty high with that. So it just feels a little underwhelming to have this movie be so juvenile, like completely. Well, it might be DreamWorks. Um, it might be DreamWorks. I didn't look it up. But maybe. I, I think it might. Be. Yeah. But we all know that Disney has done. Done better things, let's say. So, yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was very simple. And if you just lean into it, like being kind of a fun, silly goose time, then this movie was absolutely fine. And that's that's my take, man. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not an original story, dude. Like, it's it is it is in every way the Disney formula, right? Like, yeah. Um, literal princess has sort of tragedy strikes and has to sort of overcome the odds and meets fun people along the way, overcomes certain things and then learns a lesson by the end and everybody wins kind of thing. And like you're saying, you do know that immediately. Like there's so much exposition here. Um, there's like the full, actually, it actually did remind me of Moana in this way too, because it is, um, like they do this cutaway in the beginning that reminded me so much of like, boom, here's a different style of animation that lets you know that we're talking about the past. And here's basically the last 500 years in a 90 second montage. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like I, I'm willing to do that for a while, but it happens a couple of times. And like, I can only hear like the droon and, and the orbs and the power of the dragons and Kumandra hands on the head over and over and over and over and over. It's like, I don't, I, I get it. You know, and I, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be a detractor of this movie because, again, it's not for me. Um, so if I put my shoes in maybe, maybe, or my feet in the shoes of somebody six to 13, I don't want to do that. But if I was like a parent of those kids, like this would be a fun kids movie to watch because some of that animation is gorgeous for sure. But like the fight scenes, even some like the mm-hmm. nods to anime is really great. Like those are really fun, engaging things to watch. I just think the story kind of sucks. Voice acting was great enough um aquafina is great as zisu or sisu um but there's no surprises you know i don't i didn't take too no. much away from this movie but I, I do think like it's animation all the way is is sort of the, the grown-up takeaway probably it's a gorgeous film um you can tell people put a lot of time into it the water is wild looking 
Um, yeah. I do think there was something wrong. Like maybe they spent too much time working on the water because some of the ways that people spoke, like the way the mouths moved was like mm-hmm. too pristine or something like it didn't, or it didn't line up perfectly. It was very strange, especially early on in the movie. Yeah. Um, it really threw me off immediately that there was no accents. Oh, I didn't like, bother there was, me. Well, it bothered me before I Googled the cast. I went into this relatively blind oh. <laughs> as far as the cast. <laughs> you thought they were like, I'm whitewashing like, it? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this shit. And then I Googled it and I'm like, oh, no. Okay. They all just, they have very, yeah, like, they're Asian American actors. Like, yeah, very, like, Kelly Marie Tran has a very, she has like zero accent. Yeah, it's, I think that's a fair thing to be on on guard about because so often that has happened with these movies. Um, like, yeah. Know, uh, there's any number of references, but like, it's like, are they doing this again? Um, yeah. And, and no, like you said, this is a, this is almost an exclusively Asian American cast with the exception of maybe Alan Tudyk, um, Mm -hmm. which is great. Um, it's, there's a, probably a whole conversation to be had about representation in animated films when people could probably get away with not doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's another good quality. I wanted to, uh, just touch on a couple things you mentioned. Um, number one, you said people turning to stone, uh, high stakes, I think low stakes because like the moment you see in a children's movie, someone turned to stone, I'm like, well, you can, you can be unturned into stone. That's like, yeah. that's for sure going to happen. These are the lowest stakes ever. That's I, fair. I, it I was just kind of shocking at first. It was shocking. I think that effect was pretty cool too. Cause it's, it was almost like it was a cross between like a Medusa turning to stone and also like a Thanos making people turn to dust where like you have a moment where you're realizing you're being dead. Yeah. And then like, you can see that like when, well, spoilers maybe, but, um, that you can see that on the characters faces when that happens, like fucking turn to stone. Here we go. Oh, still turning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now I'm gone. So that, I mean, emotionally that was pretty visceral, but like, st- like you're, you're going in now, like they're going to, they're going to not be stoned for too long. Yeah. Um, can I, this, I don't think this is spoiler either, but I had a problem and it, I started nitpicking pretty early on because of like the exposition and the rules that were laid out. I'm like, all right, if you're going to give me the rules, I'm going to come back with why your rules don't make sense. Cause that's how mm-hmm. my brain works. Um, but yeah. early on when this, um, sort of thing goes down with this orb, when it's stolen, like nobody's in there guarding it. You know, like, yeah, it's just chilling. Chief Benja invites all of these tribes that have uh, on paper been their enemies for a long time. Like, you don't, you don't have one guard in this open, like volcano looking sort of thing where people can just come through the top. Like you're not nothing. That was no, wild to no, me. No, it's fine. I didn't get that. There's a lot of things early on where like, mm, I don't know if that makes sense, but I guess we got to go with it. And that kind of stuff really drives me nuts personally. Yeah, the like the immediate suspension of disbelief, like three minutes into the movie, you're like, all right, I guess we're just going with this. Yeah, the other thing that I wanted to touch on is sort of the character assembling thing throughout the movie. Because um, like you said, this is a very sort of MacGuffin-driven movie. Like, you got to get every shard and all the different factions, and we're going to get these quick little cuts to, like, what the what everybody is. And, like, these are the people in the spine, and they're big and angry, and they're like, these are the people in the tail, whatever. It's fine. But we do sort of pick up stragglers along the way, and... I mm-hmm. want to say there's like one, two, two to four, depending on how you count that group, uh, five, maybe six. There's like six companions and mm-hmm. there's so many that you never really get a chance to know them or really fall in love with them. Though that said, I know in my gut that you really love that con artist baby and you obviously yeah, love con baby. the con baby and you really love the thing she rides. But, mm-hmm. and, and I think if you would have had one or two of those and really work on those character bonds, that would have been great. But there's so many characters thrown at you. It's just like, I... One probably couldn't have kept kept up if they had built them out to be more complex, but two didn't care to, you know, there's just so many for me. I was like, I get it. Like, I don't even think you need these characters to support the sort of overarching theme of like unity and trusting people. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you did, yeah. but I, it didn't work for me. That whole, 
I just wish they would have sort of, yeah, like parsed it out a little bit, maybe cut off some time. They needed one from every tribe. Did they? Yeah. It was a literal, I mean, there's nothing subtle about this movie. It's getting all the broken pieces and putting them back together. Yeah, no, I agree. That's what they were going for. I'm, just, I, I'm saying, did they from like a filmmaking oh. perspective? I don't think like, I think I still would have gotten the message because we would have had these interactions with the people. People could stay behind. And then you don't have people um, like Benedict Wong's character, Tong, who's like the big hulking sort of behemoth fella. Like he's just, everybody has these throwaway lines and Aquafina is, Dragon Sisu is particularly uh, guilty of this. There's like so many attempted comic relief lines that she kind of peppers in and like none of them worked for me. It's, yeah. I don't know, man, it was, it was, it was rough. Um, so I guess I didn't like it. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying. I thought it was fun to watch. Like it was very fun to look at, not fun to watch, fun to look at. Um, but I, I didn't like it. I won't watch it again. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. So no, it's, it's so. pretty forgettable, pretty forgettable. I'm also pretty pissed that this is the second time we've spent 30 bucks to buy a movie on Disney uh, that was bad. The last one being Mulan. Oh, yeah. We didn't do that on the show, but you oh, did that just we, for fun. I didn't do it for fun. I'm sure that can't be right. I think somebody... Yeah, we, shit, maybe I did. Fun's not yeah, the right we word. never... Co- Research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I do want to spoil some stuff from Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we spoil it? No, I don't think so. I'm, it's it wasn't a very complicated movie. Okay, well, give me a rating out of ten. Six two. Six point two out of ten. Probably it's incredibly it was, high. I mean, for a dis like in the realm of Disney and animated movies, it's fine. Okay, well, I'm gonna look like a real asshole. I'm giving it a three. Oh wait, that feels so low now. But no, I I think it's I think it's a three. You know, it has nothing that I watch movies for. Hmm. Like I will never go to watch a movie because of the effects in a live action. So I don't think I'm going to extend that weird olive branch just because it's a kid's movie that is animated. So no, it's a three. I no, mm. no, thank you, sir. Yeah, I've got a soft spot for movies that kind of feel like RPGs and they're I kind know. of like high fantasy. Like it's cool. This might be the first movie like this. Some kids see, and this could be like a gateway drug to really cool books and really cool movies. And yes, uh, I liked, I liked the idea of it. I like the idea of it too. Yeah. I like the idea of our first beer, but I'm not, I'm not grading it on its ideas. I'm getting like what it tasted like. Yeah. And for me, for me, it's a six, two. All right. For me, it's three. If you'd like to rent it again, it's uh, right now, 29 99, I would say, and I think you would too, man, maybe wait and then catch it when it comes to another streaming service. Well, Um, it's going to be, I read about the Disney premiere. It's going to be on there and in like three months or something, it'll just go on regular Disney plus. Okay. Yeah. That sounds about right. So you totally, we could totally could have just waited and covered this in three months, but we want to be cutting when, edge. Yeah. When more people see it, that's probably, that would have been the move, but whatever we're doing it now, which makes me happy that we don't have to do it later. Um, so if for some reason you still want to see it after I just sort of tried to tear it apart, uh, do it. Cause we're about to spoil it. Um, and if you don't care about spoilers, stick around. Cause we're going to, we're going to talk about some stuff. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. All right. Spoilers inbound, Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, some of the stuff was fun. I want to talk about kind of the adventure from uh, geographically from, you know, the the tail to the uh, fang. Yeah? Yeah. Um, some of the fights were cool. Like there's fights along the way. Some of them very fun. I think that Raya's dad sort of um, chain whip sword thing, pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the combat scenes in particular between Raya and Namari are good. I enjoyed those. 
Yeah. I feel like I want to kick off the danger zone by saying something positive. Did you have any fight scenes or, or adventure scenes or, or anything that, that really stuck out as like the best parts of this movie? I mean, I mean, come on. Tuk Tuk. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. This giant rideable roly poly. Uh, he was pretty cool. Like I, I definitely dug yeah. him. And I did like Aquafina as Sisu. I thought it was like just tongue in cheek enough. Like that humor would land for this target audience. Like, and I get it. The humor is not going to be for everyone. Um, but I liked her. I just like her voice. I think she's a cool person. Okay. I liked her. Yeah. I liked her in this role. I, um, I hate her voice. Oh, it's, I, it's just... like a Gilbert Gottfried effect on me. Like, so whenever I hear, like whenever I watch Aladdin, I dread having to hear the parrot talk and I, her voice has the same <laughs> kind of grading, like, and it, maybe it's one of those, you like it or you don't things, but it, Oh man, it was tough for me. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I dug the fight scenes. Those were really the most redeeming part. It felt like a lot of homage to some like old Kung Fu films mm. and like almost like some homages to like some Mortal Kombat adjacent stuff with like the chain whip sword really reminded, it had like a scorpion vibe Yeah, and she's wearing like a Raiden hat. And I know yep. these are all just pieces like, like the hat is like an Asian That's a thing. thing. Yeah. But the way she wore it and the way she just kind of had a Raiden vibe. I mean, but there were also like these really Mortal Kombat-y sort of face-off sections or segments where, or shots where you're just like, like ankles down. You're like, here's, I'm stepping into the combat zone. Like she drops her chainsaws. Like that makes me think of Mortal Kombat. Totally. So I get it. Like very Mortal Kombat-y. Uh, and I, yeah, big flaw, no fatalities. What the hell? I did find myself like, is there going to be, is someone going to like, is that thing going to go through somebody's chest? Maybe. Yeah. But they could redo not. this, yeah. like a fan cut, and like make it rated R. It'd be pretty gnarly. The Zack Snyder cut. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch that? No, it's coming. Oh, it's, it's not, out not out yet. Okay. Okay. It's the eighteenth of this month. <laughs> Mark your calendar. You actually next probably Thursday. Yeah. Okay. I'm giving this movie the credit it's due. We talked about it last week. It was Bat or Justice League Zack Snyder cut. In case anybody hasn't heard yep. that episode. Okay. Um. Okay. I didn't like. I didn't like Tuk Tuk really. Like he was fine, but I expected to have that animal sidekick and he did nothing cool like outside of the outside of the construct of what that character does in these templates. I mean, that's fair. I'm just over it. I guess like, I don't know, maybe we're spoiled. Like we just did Disney Pixar's soul. Great movie. A lot to say new things. Great animation had a message. And I mean, I don't know. This just, it's didn't, it had a message of course. It, and it's like trust strangers, which I, I don't know. I'm, I, think <laughs> I, I fall more in the Raya camp on this. Like, I don't, I don't think you should just go trusting people all the time. Like sometimes people are just going to shaft you. So yeah, maybe a healthy balance between Raya and Sisu is kind of the, the way to land, but it's not what this but movie the movie metaphor. The metaphor is to trust everyone's inherent goodness is a human man. And maybe that's why this is a kid's movie, not an adult movie. Cause adults are just like, that's not true. I don't think anymore. Yeah, the like, adults are like, <laughs> well, like, that's you know, never going to work. Like how many conversations do you think happen between parents and kids after this movie where the parents are like, Hey, good movie, but maybe don't totally trust them. You know? Yeah. You know, that's not how it's going to work. Right. Like, especially if you're telling to your kid, like I'm, I don't have kids, but I'd be like, y'all need to watch out for the world. I'm pretty sure I would say that to my kids. Maybe not in that, that exact sentence, but you know, there are bad guys out there and you're, you know, look out because they're coming. Well, I mean, yeah, this, this, because they weren't always enemies and this movie's uh, approaching it with the, the poetic ideal that people are inherently good, which can be more often than not disastrous. Yeah. I mean, we live in a divided world. It's part of the human condition. Like, you know, when racism exists in 
between tribes in Africa that are killing each other. It's like, maybe we're just destined to be divided. Maybe there's something inside of humans that is very tribal that we just haven't like evolved past yet. So I get that they were going for like a poetic utopia, like a, a, a Zen place of everyone being at peace and coexistence. But, you know, put that up against the real world. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be disappointed the hundred percent of the time because I, yeah. that's just not the world we live in. So I like the, the, the striving. Great. Yeah. It's a great for, thing. To, it's a great sentiment. It's, yeah, but also like it, maybe we don't need to advertise it like in children's movies because it's like setting expectations like not where that's not good. The flip side of that argument is that if enough kids see this movie, children being the future, maybe enough young adults will start to believe that they should be trustworthy towards other people. If enough people do it, sort of like a herd immunity, a trust immunity, if you will. Uh, and then the world gets better. That's kind of maybe the the optimistic side of that coin. Uh, but that is also to say this movie didn't really do well on its opening weekend. A lot of people did not see this movie. So, well, to be fair, it's behind two paywalls and it costs us more to rent it to watch at home than it would have to go to the movies and see a matinee. So yeah, popcorn, I, there's if you buy popcorn, but just to actually watch it, like 30 bucks is a lot of movie money to rent a movie at home. And I don't know. I think it's, it's the most I've spent for anything. I think the most other than this, it's usually like there's been a few $20 movies, mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's spendy, so it's not entirely surprising. Yeah, I mean, how many lawns would you have to mow as the, as the child trying to watch this movie? A lot, probably. A lot, you know. And uh, yeah, anything like how long is it going to be before there's going to be three paywalls? What are you referring to? You start using a Disney Plus subscription and then the rental? I guess that's true, huh? They should have given us a discount for having the subscription. Yeah, you have to pay five or seven bucks a month yeah. just to have Disney Plus, just to have the option to pay more money. But you can you can rent this movie with. Can you not rent it without the Disney nope. Plus? So this movie, could, yeah, that sucks. It's literally behind two paywalls, just like ESPN, which is you know owns Disney owns ESPN, a sports uh, you channel. Buy, you buy ESPN Plus and you have this monthly subscription, and that gives you the right to pay seventy dollars to buy a pay per view. If they would just trust us to pay them, they could just give us a subscription and then we could all be in our own Kamundra together. Yeah. I'm just wondering how long it's going to be before there's like a third paywall or there's just like so many streaming companies, you back package them all together and we just have cable again. And then we literally plug in the the uh, coax cable into the back of our brains and just get glued to our thing and we pay $1,000 a month and we just sit <laughs> and watch For everything. unlimited entertainment. God. I don't know. I'm good on this movie, I think, is what I'm trying wow, to say. Wow, this got fucking yeah, I don't know. dark. Like, we're not interested in talking about this movie, so we're just talking about the structure of our society. Yeah. And, uh, the general sort of fuckedness of everything. So I'm, I'm happy to move on if you are. I'm, I'm just about out of beer. So I think if you're okay with it, dude, we put uh, Riot and the Last Dragon to bed. Maybe take a break. What do you think? Yeah, I can't talk about the decline of man in Western civilization anymore. I'll just freak out. So please, can I have more beer, sir? We'll be right back. Johnny, Kumundra is back. The people are unified and everybody is thirsty. Do you happen to know a place where they can go to get a great deal on a beer? Yes, it's the Tale of the Dragon on East 20th Street. Underneath the fang of Tong Fong Lo. I'm talking about the legend of the handlebar. That's right, my friend. The handlebar has a happy hour from 
two to six, seven days a week, a dollar off all those great crafty, drafty beers. So raise your glass, raise your hands up over your head, make a circle, bow to your friends, celebrate Kumandra, celebrate craft beer. That's the handlebar right here in Chico. Happy hour, seven days a week, two to 6 p.m. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street. Go check them out. Johnny, our second beer of the day then from Wild Barrel is is called Blackberry Jam. It's an imperial pastry sour, which, as we mentioned earlier, exists as a style. This is 8.4%, and they say this. This imperial pastry sour is made with blackberries, black currants. We'll see about that. And Madagascar bourbon vanilla beans. I also want to point out on their website, this was written as Butbin. It was a typo. I fixed it because uh, I appreciate the right spelling of words. So this is part two of the beers that you picked up at Spike's. This is a, you want to describe the can? You want to describe the beer? Either way. Uh, let's describe the beer. I mean, it's got like a, like a dirty blonde-ish, reddish haired woman in like a cool pinup dress, like a 50s style mm-hmm. strapless dress, polka dot. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's a nice, little, cool. yeah, they've got, there's a, yeah, the polka dot sort of, what do you, there's a certain type of art. It's like pop art or something that has those, those dots that surround the can here. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's like, a, I, think I it's don't know what the word art. is. Um, either way, yeah, it's often associated with uh, sort of like neo pinup art stuff. So, fun. yeah, um, the beer itself very much um, almost like a, definitely purple, but almost like a magenta, like a dark magenta kind of color. Mine's got no head left. I've poured it. I've got most of it into my glass um, and it looks more like a juice than a beer to me. J.U. Weiss, that's nice. Um, it smells great. I just had my first little nose taste. Um, have you actually tasted it yet? Oh, I feel like nose taste just a fancy way to say you smelled it. Yeah, I tried it. I just, I gave it a beta run there. I don't know that I loved it. All right. You know, I mean, I don't hate it. Uh, What did you, what did your nose taste tell your brain? You know, there's a weird kind of um, mustiness that I'm getting, like almost like a sweet, like a sour mustiness kind of thing, which is on paper, not maybe a great descriptor because it does kind of sound like I'm describing B.O., um, and it's not the farthest thing from, from what I might compare my first smell to, but I, I, it was more of like a berry thing. So I'm going to try to see if I can smell it again and differentiate between body odor and blackberry jam. What about you? Yeah. It definitely reminds me of blackberries. Like when they're like on the vine, like a juicy black yeah. berry, like a black, like a real black, ripe, ripe, ripe blackberry. They've yes. got like a earthy mustiness. That's just like from the air. Um, they always have like a weird tangy mustiness, but they're good. And if they're, they're ripe enough they're nice and jammy yeah it is much closer uh, after after smelling it again like it's it's very much like an overripe berry smell yeah this beer is is wild man it, it pours gorgeous yeah does the does how it looks match up with how it should taste man I, I actually think it tastes a little bit more extreme than what i was thinking like there is a ton of that berry up front um i don't know that i would necessarily pick out any black currants going on um and you could probably also make a case that there's not a t- not a ton of vanilla beans but maybe the sweetness that I'm picking up towards the end is that vanilla. Um, Honestly, it needs to warm up for that to come out. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bitey also, man, like similar to our experience with the bitiness that came on the back end of that IPA, uh, the top of the show, this is very astringent on the second half. Yeah. Like they make beers that have teeth. Yeah. And I have to assume that as we drink this a little bit more, um, your predilection for, sort of heartburn central is going to become a little bit more egregious. And I, I even think mine is too a little bit like even on that first drink, it felt very, very acidic. 
Yeah, first first drink, I, I was like, oh, I need to chop up a line of Tums and snort it immediately. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's very aggressive in the acidity department. Yeah, this is for sure a heartburn bomb. Mm-hmm. Good flavor, uh, though. So, good, well, let's just talk about that. Yeah. It's labeled as blackberry jam, and it's a pastry sour. So we're not supposed to be getting Mm-mm. blackberries. We're supposed to be getting like a blackberry cobbler or literally yeah. blackberry jam, maybe like blackberry jam on toast. Are you getting a jammy vibe at all, or is this just all tart blackberries and yeah, sour? I think I could probably be swayed into being convinced that I was tasting more of a pastry kind of vibe, um, but off instinct, no. Like this is much more um, along the lines of something from like Almanac, uh, like mm-hmm. a straight up sour beer. Yeah, it's not round enough, you know. Like it's too pointy. It's so pointy. It's bristly. It's like a it's like a spiny tumbleweed that's rolling at my ankle. Yeah, I guess the only thing that that is keeping it from being totally sharp is that it is kind of a big round mouthfeel, but everything else is just like or maybe not even mouthfeel, but like the body is just really like it's it's pretty viscous and heavy, and that kind of almost tricks my mouth into thinking like, "Oh yeah, this is a smooth drinking beer," but it's it's definitely not. It's like Madagascar bourbon vanilla in particular is like, "I don't I don't think so. That's not coming through nearly enough." No, and it's too sour. It's straight up too sour. A pastry sour is supposed to be sweet. Pastry implies this is going to be like sweet forward mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with sour second. And it's really not delivering on that. It's it's kind of a sweet, it's a fruited sour. It's not a pastry sour. Because we've actually had some recently, me and my own personal life, one together with you. Mm. Like we've had some actual pastry sours that are like, Okay, this is dessert. This is not like a sour beer. This is like a different thing. Um, so as weird as it is, I think I have a bar that's been set for pastry sours that this is not living up to. I never thought that would happen. But hey, here we are. We're living in pastry. 2021, baby. Sour, crazy, crazy times. And I've got a bar that's been set for pastry sours. And this, I feel fall shy of it. It's an excellent fruited sour. Yep. I will say that. Yep. Uh, I feel robbed entirely of a jammy experience, and I love jammy fruited anything. You give me like a like a, like a rosy strawberry wheat from Six Rivers, like a jammy mm. strawberry ale. Yep, I'm all about that. I love jammy notes in beer when done right. Um, and for me, I can't say this is done right. I can't say it's even existing. I'm getting zero jam, zero sweetness out of the blackberries. It's just all sour blackberries. So. For me, not as advertised at all. And like, I'm honestly pretty cold on this beer. I would have picked one of their other sours if I knew that all I was going to be getting was the fruit and sour. So super disappointed in this beer right now. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the direction I was going to go to. Because in the first beer, again, I, I didn't love it. 4.4 for you, 5 for me. Um, we both thought that it was marketed wrong. Uh, and we our expectations were not what we got. And here, same scenario. Uh, not the right expectation set. But I actually dig this quite a bit. I think it's really good. Um, but it is definitely not a sweet pastry sour, sour, man. I'm so used to saying pastry stout that I can't get my brain to latch on the sour. Um, yeah, but I like it, man. Like I, it's maybe not the most layered beer I've ever had, but I think it serves a purpose at eight and a half or 8.4%. Like, you know, it's, it's big enough and I get, we, it's a, it's a pint can. So, and I've only had maybe like three ounces. Like there's a chance that this is going to get pretty old, um, flavor wise, but for the time being, I like what I'm drinking and I do think that it's not correct from the way they advertised it, but I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I don't. Um, 
is there anything uh, that you are digging about it, or is it a pretty like I'm I'm sensing a, a pretty low number coming out of your mouth in the next minute or two? Yeah, man. Like it's just it's a it's not even like an above average fruited sour, and I wanted so much more sweetness out of this. Uh, a pastry sour is desserty, and this is like chewing on shock tarts. It's not. It's not sweet. It's all sour. Like I was led astray. I want some pastry in this sour. I feel like I ordered a, a tequila and just got ice and sweet and sour mix. <laughs> in a second, I'm going to ask you probably for some references to other pastry sours. Um, Cause I don't know that I can come up with any off the top of my mind. So I'll ask you that. But um, yeah, I, I think I'm inclined to agree. Like it's so, it's so um, it's shock tart really uh, struck home for me. Like there is like a, like a chalky, tartness that happens towards the end of it like it it leaves my teeth feeling the same way that drinking like a coca-cola does um Mm -hmm. which is to say like it's got this weird sort of um not film but like a like a almost like a sandpapery kind of um layer over my teeth and and it happens with sours and not all of them but some that are extra extra sour um yeah it it hits it hits a little bit differently um but anyways as i was saying uh, pastry sours do we have examples that maybe that I've had, but certainly ones that you've had maybe? Uh, well, I just had, what is it? Ninja turtle blood. That's right. I think, I don't remember if I mentioned that on air. Yeah, you not. did. Yeah. That one I had, um, even the, uh, what was that? Like eternal smooches or whatever that we had. From, oh, from fieldwork. Yeah. Yeah. With the, van- yeah. the vanilla. I mean, there was so much more vanilla present. In I was that. A, that was an Imperial sour Blondale too. And I think it was 9%. And, but yeah, like, Oh, Right? No, that not that one. Of? It was, it was, no, it was the Moxa sour. Oh, um, yeah. You gave me yep. one and it had kisses on it. It has something to do with kiss, kisses or smooches or something. Oh, then maybe, maybe I was just at Moxa and field work like in the same weekend. So that's probably yes. what I'm thinking of. It still probably was that sour, uh, that sour blonde. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it had so much vanilla and like a nice warm sweetness that kind of balanced out the tartness and like, uh, so that, and then, I mean, obviously the, what the hell was that one called? The lollipop when we just posted. Yeah. Liquid lollipop. Yeah. Was that really a sour beer? Like is, I can't remember if that was classified as a sour, but it, it might've been from, yeah. From froth brewing. Yeah. I guess what else would it be? I guess like a, that's, I don't know. That's, it's not, that's was unlike anything I've ever had. Yeah. I think that is more like what my definition of a pastry sour is leaning towards right now. Yeah. Uh, just to close this loop, yeah, you were talking about Super Smooch from Moxa. It was 9.5%, and it's an imperial sour ale with raspberries and uh, Mexican vanilla beans. Great beer. Yeah, and the the vanilla was so present. Yeah. It was very nice. Um, Yeah, man, I don't – I'm still sticking – I've had a couple more sips. Like I'm still sticking with enjoying blackberry jam here, but um, it's a lot, you know? It's a lot going on here. Uh, and by that, that I, don't, I don't mean nuance or layers. I mean just punchy flavor-wise. There's a ton of it. Yep. And I don't know if it's necessarily that good. Yeah. It'd be, if you like this flavor profile, this is, even if you do like that, I think this is still one that you should probably split with a person or two because it's so, so aggressive. Yeah. And as it warms up, you do get a little bit more mm-hmm. of the vanilla. vanilla. Mm-hmm. It's reminding me of like chewed up sour jelly beans. <laughs> you got a lot of like chewed up by somebody else and then you only get the chewed experience. Yeah, like saliva has been introduced. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I don't know that I can relate to that one off the top of my head, um, but sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, this really is just fine. It's not hitting hitting me in the right place. I, I mainly 
expectations were just not met like mm-hmm. didn't live up mm-hmm. and and also just for what it is objectively as as a fruited sour i feel like it's it's literally fine it's a 3.8 yeah i just had another drink it, it is coming around as it warms up um i just tried to take one for the team and and take a big gulp of it which has left my mouth pretty watery um but yeah. I, my goal is to uh get a little bit less in my glass stick it in the palm of my hand and see if over the next minute or two Oh my gosh, excuse me. Um, it does sort of open up a little bit and some of those sour edges kind of round off. So I'm not going to give it a rating just yet, but you said, you say 3.8. Yeah. Okay. My God. I took, I think I probably drank like two and a half, three ounces, but it set off some alarms in my mouth and it's like sending all of my saliva soldiers to be like quench the fire is what my mouth is doing. Now, didn't we get another pastry sour recently that we need to try? I believe yes. the one that yes, because we divvied up some treehouse beers and that one, what was it like a passion fruit pastry sour? So the one that we have been talking about sporadically today is the one that we posted on Instagram, which is the liquid lollipop, which is uh, was that had passion fruit or dragon fruit? Remind me. The liquid lollipop was dragon fruit, pineapple, and banana, and strawberry. Banana. Banana. Yeah. Um, so we did get another one. Um, and it's called, it was called like, I want or love puree or something like that. Um, and it could be what you're describing. It might have those adjuncts, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and as I did a quick Google search, I don't think it's actually called that, but I know puree is in the name. Um, so I don't know, like, well, I'm sure we'll post about it on social media, but I'm guessing that'll be a little bit more desserty as well. Mm hmm. And it's funny, man. I just Googled pastry stouts or pastry. It's, it's impossible. I don't like, I don't, if anyone's listening, take a shot every time we say that and you'll have a great night or a terrible day, depending on how you uh, live your life. Yeah. But there's like a, a barrel aged pastry sour from California wild ales out of San Diego. Mm-hmm. It's like a blueberry pancake pastry sour. Why does that ring a bell? I don't know. We've never done that. Have we? No. But it just it's it looks good. Like some of these have been really interesting. Yeah, like there's probably a place where this can be not a place uh, physically, but like a, a a sweet spot where this can be done right. But I yeah. do think you have to lean into the pastry aspect of it. You do. You know. You have to give into the sweetness and like. Yeah. I like the vanilla aspect of it. Um, but yeah, it definitely needs to be more more dessert. Yeah, I, I think there's probably like. I don't have the scale in front of me, but I think someone should make it like the more assertive a particular flavor that you're bragging about on your label is the more you can lean into it. And what I mean by that is like for a beer, like double stack from great notion, which is a maple. Is it, is it a, is it a barrel aged maple stout or just a maple stout? Uh, it, the first one was just regular, like a stout, but they actually made a barrel aged version that was super expensive and hard to get. Okay. Well, then I mean, double the stack one. is, yeah, double stack is just a regular old old beer. Yeah, when I think maple, I do not think subtle flavor that I might pick up if I really focus. I think maple. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I think if you make a maple adjunct beer, like as the consumer, I'm like, sure, like punch me in the face with maple, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's a similar thing when it comes to the branding of beer. So if you're saying imperial, pastry, sour, I need all of that in spades. And that's fine. Like, yeah. there's no need to be subtle about the pastry aspect. And I think m- maybe they were trying to be subtle with it, um, but it just came off as a sour with blackberry jam here. 
Exactly. It just comes off as a sour. You can't shy away from the pastry. Like, we're here for the sweetness. Yeah. Now, if I wanted a sour, I would have bought a sour. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about, like, the slushy beer movement, which is very <laughs> similar, very, very similar to the pastry sours? I haven't had any. Um, I haven't either, but I've seen them all over the place. They're fucking beautiful. They are beautiful. Like the colors yep, yep. that they're getting are crazy. Yeah, the curmudgeon in me is like, come on, don't we have enough? Isn't there enough going on? Like, do we do we need to do this? There's a person we follow on Instagram, and if I had thought to look it up, I would have given them a shout out, but I suppose it's kind of a negative. They do mostly like these slushy style sours, and then they always put them in um, like a frosty, frosty, fresh out of the freezer, like Teku glass or something. Okay. Which, I don't know, it's the only sort of person I keep up to date with on slushy beers, but it kind of gives me the impression like the colder the better, which is also the marketing strategy for Coors Light, and it makes me think that I don't necessarily want to let those beers do what I'm doing to this beer, which is warming up in my glass for a couple minutes. <laughs> right. I, I, just, I can't imagine that a slushy beer is something that I could speak with any level of eloquence on for more than a couple minutes outside of saying like, it's good, or it's got this one thing. Because when I think of a slushy, I think of... Uh, driving to kindergarten with my dad and mixing the blue and the red and sucking that down and then having a sugar high for an hour and a half and then crashing for nap time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what this this style, the, the slushy and a little bit the pastry stout, or pastry, oh, I know, shot. Um, the pastry sour is going for. It's going for like a little bit of nostalgia. The slushy in particular. Yeah. Um, you want that dessert nostalgia with the slushy. Obviously, it's going for that, like, I am reminded of some beers that I sampled with Derek Paul. Shout out, Derek. Nice. He turned me on to these. They're called Oh Yeah. Okay. And they were basically Kool-Aid-themed beers that Track 7 did. Oh. Like, essentially, they might have been ahead of their time with this pastry sour stuff because they were making beers that tasted exactly like full sugar Kool-Aid. They probably were. Like, did anyone check? Is anyone like, you should see if there's alcohol? They could just be bottling up Kool-Aid. Right. But yeah, like years ago, this was like we were drinking these at the Goose. Yeah. Um, and man, they were good because they tasted like, oh, that's blue. Yeah. Oh, right. Shit. That's red. Oh, my God. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, you've hit a particular level of nostalgia and like right on the mark when people stop describing your beer as a flavor and use color. Yeah. It tastes like blue. It tastes like purple to me a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Blue became a flavor at some point. Success is weird how we measure it, I suppose. I guess it's like full circle. You go really nuanced and then all the way back to blue. Yeah. Just blue. Yeah. 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 Blue. Yeah. Blue. It's a blue beer. All oh, right, man. I'm giving, right. I'm giving my final take here. I took another sip. Um, it definitely, definitely mellowed out on, on the warming up a bit. Um, still incredibly bitey on the end. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I think it's probably, Oh, it's probably a, I think it's probably a, oh shoot. I think it's, mm, I'm going to, mm, I don't know why I'm so torn on this because I'm going to go four. Yeah, I'm going to go four. Okay. Um, and in case anyone wants a peek into my brain, that was me trying to figure out if I'm going to go back and drink it. And I was going back and forth and I think probably not. It's just too harsh. It's too aggressive, man. It's too aggressive. And I've probably got four to five ounces left in the can and about one ounce less to, left in my glass. So you know, slightly over half, which I think if I can pat myself on the back was kind of my prediction when we started, like it's going to get old and it did. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm not going to drink half this. Yeah, it's a lot. But I, I think if I poured this for my wife right now, she'd be like, I may be too sour for her too. But if you poured this for somebody else that likes sour beers, they'd probably be into a few ounces of it. I think that's 
that's fine. So get it and split it if you want, or don't. That's a hell of an endorsement. Somebody that maybe likes this sour might be <laughs> might interested potentially in, like your in a very small quantity. Yeah. What do you say we maybe don't reach out this week? Nah, I'm good. I, I think wanna... we did the we did the hard work. We went and bought these beers and tried them. And, so you yeah, guys don't them. don't have to. Okay, good. Um, I don't know if you're going to ask or not, but I'm going to tell you, this is definitely falling on the Nickland Four Locometer, and I would definitely rather have a Four Loco than this. I wasn't going to ask because I thought that was below threes for you. Well, rules are meant to be broken, baby. Not when you make them yourself. Especially when you make them yourselves. <laughs> I have no standards for myself. Nobody, I, obviously. No me can hold me back. No, not even me. Nobody. I can't even keep myself in line. <laughs> I am a fucking disaster okay so wait but you are yeah. you are sticking with 3.8 yeah 3.8 give me like a fruit punch for loco and like i'll be good man and some ice and a straw i'm so much better off than drinking this uh, yeah i mean i disagree with you on that one obviously but fair enough man yeah to each his own so this would give me heartburn so bad it would probably make me throw up and then just think about throwing this beer up and then think about how much you'd rather drink a Four Loco. No, my problem with that is like Four Loco also gives you heartburn. I know that because you've told me you're not going to, out of solidarity, drink a Four Loco with me because it gives you heartburn. Well, that's because I got you those lying. sour ones. Yes. The sour ones. I know. They're awful. Do. The regular Four Locos, slightly less. Also, maybe we take a brief moment here to pat ourselves on the back because that hasn't come up in a while. Like we've both been on it. Like we've seen the movies. We've got the beers. We haven't had to drink a Four Loco on the show in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, it's a big, big difference when you don't have to go to the movies and we can just, like, walk to that other room and watch the movie for the show. Yeah, it's, it's true. It, like, if you didn't watch the movie and you've been at fucking home all week and I know that's where you can stream it, like, we're going to have to have a talk, man. <laughs> I do like, I do get the vibe that that might be changing soon. And on that note, if you're okay with moving into Hot and Bothered, I will vote for that. Segway. Okay, so we haven't had four locos lately, but we might need to do it in the future if one of us doesn't make it to the movie theaters to see a film, which is all to say something is on your list that I think you should talk about now. Yes, it is super, super exciting. And it is the fact that the movie theater is opening again. When you're hearing this right now, as you listen to this, uh-huh. the movies are open. Yeah. In They're Chico. open in right, Chico. right now in yeah. Chico. Yeah. You could go to the movies. They don't have any showtimes listed for anything other than COVID. private showings uh, where you can rent the whole theater for like a hundred bucks, but Let's do it's that. on the way. They're coming. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We can watch brand new movies. We could watch that one with Tom Holland and uh, Daisy Ridley that I sent you. Oh, good. The science fiction one. I can't wait. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, or we could go rent a theater for $99 and you could maybe watch La La Land. Oh, I mean, now you got me. Yeah, or we could, we did that for Patreon a few months ago because like you mentioned when you said this, the movies are opening again. Uh, and this happened, when was that? Maybe September, August, or September, August, September, October, somewhere in there? Something like that. And we had an event for our patrons, which is, I guess, one more shameless plug to Patreon. Uh, now that they're opening back up the movies, um, we'll probably do that again. And you will buy your ticket and you can come and watch... Last time it was the Goonies. Who knows what it'll be in the future, but you can do that for like a dollar a month or a dollar a week, but you could do it all a month. Yeah. If you're in Patreon, Don't because the way that. it worked was we, we rented out the whole theater and then brought everybody from Patreon. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so fun. It was great. Um, I cannot wait to get back in the movies, man. The problem was everybody, when the theaters opened the first time, then went to the theaters, then everybody got COVID again, then the theaters closed. So I feel like we're on this roller COVIDster of, of 
disease. So we'll see if we do better this time as a society. Maybe. There's a vaccine rolling out, which I heard helps. So fingers crossed. (laughs) I heard that as well. Yeah. The vaccine. Fingers crossed. Vaccine helps everybody. That's a thing to remember. Exactly. Science is real. I got mine. I'm essential. You did. You're an essential man. Damn right. Uh, You know what else is essential is the other thing on my list. It's having some really good, silly goose, fun times with your friends. Uh, and I was able to do that with you. I don't know uh, if you call getting main, slaughtered a good time, but okay. you know, I've 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 got issues, man. <laughs> uh, what happened? Beat me again, yeah. Daddy Max. What? <laughs> tell him. Tell um, him what happened. Yeah. So we had a friend of the show, young Brian McAllister, into town for the weekend, and we were able to hook up with one Max and Gianna Minardi. And um, in NASCAR, they refer to. Uh, like a squad of race cars under the same owner is like uh, Harvick team racing, things like that. Okay. Uh, and I'm just going to say that we, uh, we got handled pretty soundly by uh, team Minardi uh, in the Mario Kart realm, but we played online, had a bunch of fun, drank some drinks, talked some trash, had a little like live on the phone, like uh, conference call with everyone playing. It was, the five of us total. It was it was a really good time over the internet, man. It was it was so fun to just play games with you and laugh and drink some beers and uh, yeah, obviously have it be completely showcased how much I need to practice at Mario Kart. I mean, which yeah, I was having a good. I thought day. I'd I thought I'd gotten a lot better. You were in rare form. I was. You were like you were out to like just kill the moon or something. You were <laughs> flying for space. I was moving. Yeah, and Gianna typically whoops my ass at mario kart mm-hmm. um and i just crushed I, I don't know if i crushed her but i beat her that night i think at least in one no of those you races. were like after you got a few drinks in you like middle of the play sesh it yeah. was like yeah you were you were dominating I she sat, was like i can't i, I remember at on one point she said i can't believe how far ahead of me you are i know i know it was wild it was, so, it was the perfect storm for i don't know what my yeah. day was like before that um but yeah, it was this, oh, I had replaced the uh, the speakers in my van, so I was feeling good. Hell yeah. So whatever happened, man, it was it was the right situation for you to just dominate. But, you know, it's it's not whether you win or lose. It's it's if you have fun. I mean, winning is obviously the goal, and I'm still upset that I didn't. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but that's but a hint. the loser thing to say is it's all about having fun. Who cares who wins? It's not. I had <laughs> I would have had way more fun if I was of kicking course. all yeah, your asses. Yeah, yeah. But uh, either way, it was it was a really good time to to hang out. We haven't gotten to hang out much in the last year, yeah. Except for this show, and this is kind of our second job, so it's really nice to to just cultivate some memories of why we became friends and did this in the first place, and getting to hang out and play video games. Fair. Be kids again, man. Kids with alcohol. That's all I am. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yep. What's got you hot and or bothered and or aroused? Yeah, we'll go with hot this week. I think I got some bothered last week. So I'm going to focus on the hot. And that is is sort of a two part to this story. But a couple days ago, I want to say like by the time people hear this, maybe a week ago, um, I was going to pick up Mexican food and I bumped into a friend that I hadn't seen. It's a friend of mine named Sam. And she's a lovely musician. She's a singer. And she's uh, we've sang a few things together. We played a few shows. She's in a couple of videos that I put on YouTube. I hadn't seen her in a really long time. So we caught up. And she recommended to me a show on Netflix that immediately after I left the Mexican food restaurant, I forgot the name of. And then a couple days later, um, a friend of the show slash co-podcaster named Erica, she's uh, she's the co-host of the Brew Roots podcast, a fantastic show, also available to listen to if you'd like Brew Roots. She reached out to our show on Instagram and was like, hey, do you guys ever cover um, anime? 
And I was like, not usually, I think like we covered, um, that, sh- uh, that movie, your name back in, I couldn't remember. Is it 2016 or 2017? Do you remember? Yeah, sure. One of those. Um, and then she said, have you ever watched? And it was the thing that Sam had said was full metal alchemist on Netflix. And I said, no. And she gave this very, uh, glimmering endorsement of the show as did Sam a few days previous. Um, and I was just so stoked that I remembered the name of the thing that I watched it um, <laughs> last night. And I watched about two episodes. There's one season, but there happens to be like 52 or three episodes that are like 22-ish minutes long, TV half hours. Um, and I'm not like, I don't know a ton about anime. Like I've, I've never really sought it out or anything, but I did watch two episodes, maybe three. I think it was two. Um, and I went from being relatively uninterested in the first maybe 15 minutes to not quite hooked, but really intrigued by the end of the second. Okay. Um, nice. Have you heard of Full Metal, Alchem- Full Metal Alchemist or seen it? Oh, yes. I've heard of it many times. I've watched a couple episodes here and there. Mm. I haven't taken the time to get into it, but it's pretty dope from what I've seen. People people love it. Like, it's a yeah. thing. Like, I, I've only heard of it, again, from, like, these two people. But um, when I looked it up, um, I noticed, like, a few of my friends had watched it. And, like, everybody was like, it's amazing. I love it. It's the best thing ever. It's incredible. Um, and in the first two episodes, they basically, it's these two brothers that are alchemists. Um, and what's established early on, at least in these two episodes is like this sort of interplay between the idea of magic and science, which I feel like ties in really, really nicely to, um, certainly a lot of things in our private lives, but also like whether vaccines work, you know, there's, there's science and then there's magic. And sometimes it's nice Mm -hmm. to rely on science. And in this, the first couple episodes, they sort of um, dethrone this guy who's, who's going around pretending he's preaching miracles and he's really just using science to do it and lying to people. I was like, that's a really topical thing to, to, to focus on after I've had several drinks and feel passionate about stuff like this. It was great. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back watch more of that. If you want to watch along with me, anybody it's on Netflix, full metal alchemist. It's worth the time. I think nice. I'm still grinding star Trek, but there'll be time. Good someday. God, man. Okay, good. We'll keep it up. Um, and then just to, to tie up this loop from the beginning, it is almost beer madness time which is, once again, if you haven't uh, been with us for about a year, it is our March Madness-style tournament. I don't watch basketball, but I like the idea of elimination tournaments. So we made one for beer um, based on a podcast that I really love called Film Spotting, who does one for movies. And ours will be hitting the, uh, the, the polls will be open as of the 19th of March, and we are covering New England IPAs, 8% and less, uh, made in America. And today was the day where I decided to put all the beers down on one list and see what we were working with. We are still taking suggestions, I guess, mostly me from you, dude, um, until about Saturday. And then our list will be finalized. And the exciting thing this year is that we are, what's the right turn of phrase you think? Like hosting, having it hosted or, um, what do you think? How do you phrase that? Hosting. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to, we're going to have Printable, like large brackets that are going to live at a few different places around town. And as the eliminations happen, we're going to go to those places, cross off the things, advance the things that move forward and And drink beer and drink beer. Yeah. Um, I almost, I do, I'm going to pull up the list. Um, and this again, like I made the long list today. So we've got, like I said, 50, uh, 50 something beers and we need to get it down to 32. Um, and there's huge hitters like Trillium is on there. revision. If you're out here in California, we got one for secret trail. Um, and then there's some, some lesser drank ones. Some are just nods to beers that we've done on the show that I really loved. Like the one from Lagerbeer, the Tamayar that we covered a few months back. Um, there's one from dying breed on here. Cause I know we both loved their beers. Um, yep. 
So There's an El Segundo that I'm rooting for sure. pretty hard. Yeah. There is some Treehouse beer that I'm rooting pretty hard. There's also the local boys. You got your hazy little thing. Yep. Got to get Sierra Nevada. Um, it's going to be a little bit of everything for everybody. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. And I think the way to keep up with that, obviously, is, is to follow us on social media and stuff. But all of the voting will take place on our website. So um, as of the 19th, you can check back at freshhopcinema.com and you can vote and and make your voice heard. Uh, it was really fun. Last year, Fall River took it with Hexagenia. We were doing West Coast IPAs, I think 9% or less. Um, and Hexagenia just basically wiped the floor with beers like um, Pliny the Elder or Sam Adams Rebel IPA. No surprises there. But still, that was in the running because a lot of people have had it. Sam Adams, you bet your bottom dollar, is in this one as well with their New England IPA. Just just, just milking, milking the American public for money, Sam Adams is. I have nipples, Max. <laughs> Can you milk me? Um, so anyways, that's, I'm, I'm stoked. I just, today when I was putting together this list, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm really excited for this. Like it's a ton of work putting it together. I think, um, or at least it was last year. Hopefully the learning curve will be slightly less steep this year since we've done it once, but it was well, yeah, well, it. plus you were trying to hold down a career last year. That's true. Well, actually, you don't no, have that no, pesky- no, I was not because this is right when COVID hit and my career tanked no more music. So uh, I basically, that's why this happened. Uh, I think as fluidly as it did, cause I had nothing else to do. <laughs> You're like, I need purpose. Yeah, but, Let's make a tournament. But now I know how great it is. So even though I'm playing a few more shows and, and doing some other stuff work-wise, I'm going to commit a ton of time to this. It's going to be so much fun. Hell yeah. I'm excited. Um, and that's all I have, man. That's uh, that's kind of been my week. So uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Or are we feeling pretty good? I think we're feeling good, man. Okay. The, the world is a bother, but we don't need to dwell on it. So let's be happy. We'll just trust people more and it'll all be fine. Uh, yeah. Hakuna Makana. <laughs> Um, all right. As usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi and all of our friends on Patreon. I want to give one more shout out to the Handlebar, lovely local restaurant. Go check them out. Buy a beer. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. We love y'all. Be good. Drink good beer. And we'll talk to you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.